Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about craft. And I got an email, as I often do. You're thinking to yourself, Jesus, Kara, how many emails do you get? About 150 a week that are not spam or notifications from AO3 telling me something that I'm reading is updating. Um, Ish. 150. Um, Sometimes people who don't want to leave comments on my site. Sometimes people who are... um, wanting information on the wild hair project or rough trade. Um, every once in a while I'll get, um, really nice email talking about, you know, um, you know, just, just being really nice to me. And other times I get really shitty emails. It just depends. Uh, you know, but in that range, there are a lot of people who aren't comfortable leaving comments on websites at all. So they'll use my contact form or they'll send me an email, you know, stuff like that. And that's fine. I, I don't care either way. Um, I can't guarantee a response. That's a lot of fucking emails. Um, so, but I do read everything I get. And I got an email and it's about the podcast. And she wanted to know why we did so many writing focused podcasts and why we took fan fiction so seriously. <clears throat> now the, implication being is that while she likes my podcast she would prefer that i focus more on uh non-technical topics because she finds them boring now let's talk about why i take my writing seriously and it's not just fan fiction fan fiction is what i share with you that isn't the entirety of my work it isn't even the biggest part of the body of my work um i take myself seriously as a writer because I'm a writer. I take my work seriously. I put effort into it and I like talking about that effort and learning things and growing as a writer. And with every project, I expect to learn something new about myself and my process. It's just the way that goes. So while I'm sure there are plenty of, and it's obvious, honestly, in my statistics where podcasts that are writers are writing centric, like the process itself, don't get as many uh, listens as a podcast say about Tony Genozo finding his soulmate, which is honestly the most popular podcast on Castbox right, right, right now for me. Um, and leading into 911 is a close second. So I get it. I get that you prefer to hear us talking about ideas um, and characters and the actual fiction that we're writing or that we're going to write or that we have written. I get that. But these podcasts where we talk about our writing process and about plotting and characterization and GMC, they're not for you. So if you're not getting anything out of it, don't don't listen. Right. Just don't listen to them. It's It's just like reading a fic that you're not enjoying. Why put yourself through it? Now, my most popular podcast ever is the very first one, which I titled Let's Talk About Sex. It has over 10,000 listens and growing. But the most popular trending ones that I have right now are Leaning Into 911 and Tony Genoso Finds His Soulmate. So, okay, we get it. You're going to prefer fandom-centric um, podcasts over podcasts that focus on the technical issues of writing or the writing table, whatever. That's fine. Um, but don't rain on my parade because I, I think there's this mentality that people think that you must want feedback. You must want to know what they want to hear about. You must want to know what they would like you to write about. 
you must we must want to know that don't you Kira don't you Kira Marie don't you want to know <laughs> don't you want to know what's going on in people's minds don't you want that feedback and there, no. I think that I think people <laughs> and I don't think I think for a lot of people it's, some people it is meant obnoxiously but I think for a lot of people it's not meant maliciously it's like they think well don't you don't you want to know Jillian that I have a hard time reading on your site because the color scheme is dark don't you want to know that I'm like, bitch, grow up and get you a reader mode. <laughs> Here's a page full of all the ways that you can fix that problem for yourself, Heifer. <sighs> I shouldn't have to suffer on my own site because you can't figure out reader mode, you know. Um, but I think people can't conceive. Like, they can't conceive of a restaurant who, that doesn't want feedback. So they can't conceive of why you wouldn't want feedback. And the thing is, I think restaurants want your feedback way less than you think they do. Um, I've worked at several. They don't care what you think. I mean, they, they want your I money. Think, I think they only care if they're failing. I right? feel like they want to know why, but usually it's not a mystery, right? So, right. but in general, and usually it's, this, out it's bad service across right. the board. I think in in general, there's this mentality in our it, it's it's somewhat cultural. Don't you don't you want feedback? You must want feedback, and don't you want input? Don't you? Don't you need guidance about where to go next? Aren't you confused? And people have different motives for wanting to get feedback. And some of it's rooted in their own experience of they don't know what to do, so they would want feedback. Um, I absolutely but, loathe when someone tries to offer me plot advice on a project. Because it uh, is obvious this person doesn't know a damn thing about me, number one. Which means if you don't know a damn thing about an author, you've got no business offering them this kind of advice. And number two, if you knew me at all, you would know that I applied that shit six months before I wrote it. And that odds are, um, which it's probably the thing that you're giving plot advice about is already written, not just plotted. Because like some like somebody was giving you plot advice. Was it about um, um, the, the Vanguard? And it's it, they're plot giving you plot advice about something a section that's already written. Uh, so not just that, not just of course that they should know that you've already plotted it. Um, yeah, I've got the first five parts of Vanguard written, and the yeah. first three parts of Requiem, almost. And I got some, somebody was giving me some plot advice about what they would like to see happen in every moment. And, um, I mean, clearly they aren't aware that it was posted on Rough Trade. All but about 2,000 words was posted on Rough Trade. Clearly they're not aware of that, which is fine. I don't... I don't actually expect that everybody to me actually reads my rough draft work because not everybody is into rough drafts. So they didn't read it on rough trade, so that's fine. Um, but I think that anybody who knows me knows that I plot my stories out. So um, also, I feel like I've telegraphed pretty fucking hard that the tsunami is the next arc. So, you know... <laughs> I'm right? really mystified when somebody's telling me all the things they'd like to see that have nothing to do with the tsunami. So, because um, I don't care if it's a soulmate universe, that earthquake in Alaska still happened. Right? Um, I, I did get an email about Vanguard and them offering me plot events to use. And I was like, number one, this heifer doesn't know me at all. And number two, she seriously doesn't know me. Because if I wanted advice on which elements of SG1 to include, I'd ask Lady Holder. I wouldn't oh, be asking some right. fucking stranger. She was advising you about canon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bitch, please. Number one, I can read a wiki. I've got the damn series on DVD. And you the whole actually, damn thing you know, on DVD. You, you may not be as entrenched in Stargate canon, but you've still seen it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't interested in seeing it more than once. 
And I haven't seen personally, I haven't seen all of the Ori plot lines because I lost interest over that's actually why I lost interest in Stargate was the Ori plot line felt too much like religious cult to me. And um it was very triggery for me. So I stopped watching it. That's why I stopped watching Stargate over that for. So but you know, I know a quite a handful of people like i could name them several off the top of my head who know stargate backwards and forwards that, and lady holder is one of them that i could write and go and they would know off the top of their head when something happened they tell I, me the season and maybe even the fucking episode <laughs> yeah i could say which episode did this occur they could probably tell me the episode number without having to look it up <laughs> and <Which> like me <laughs> in which episode did daniel jackson arrive naked back at the sgc you know, I mean, they would probably be able to at least tell me which season. So, yeah, which not. time? <laughs> at the S at the SGC, there was more than one. See, which one am I blanking? I know he had not arrived naked on a planet once. Okay, it's the one where he's he's wrapped up naked in a flag is the one I was thinking of. But anyway, yeah, Jack pulls the flag down off and because he, he's in Jack's yeah, office yeah. naked. Yeah, that's the one where he gets killed by replicators. That's sort what of. I'm talking about. Is that yeah. One. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Is but so, but I even Kira could basically probably point me to which episode, which season, and which episode that's in. So, but even if I couldn't, like, have details that you could find it because it's got it's got Replicator that kidnaps <clears throat> Sam, I think, or or is it Replicator Sam? He dies. He, he dies on a, on a Replicator ship, and Oma saves him and sends him back to the SGC naked. You think one of them would do him a solid and give him some clothes? You think. But I mean, I do take my writing seriously. Um, that's one of the reasons why I get along with other writers who take their writing seriously. I'll be honest, I often um, will do okay with writers who don't take at a casual level, but I don't often wind up with uh, like the closer writing relationships with people who are more hobby writers because we have a different interest level in our craft. And that's not, it's not, that's not a judgment. That's just, that's just, it's just different. Some people don't, who want to just write occasionally and they aren't necessarily interested in really um, working on the intricacies of craft. And that's fine. Knowing that about yourself and, and owning it and acknowledging that about yourself is actually really important to understanding the kind of writer you want to be. I mean, I'm the kind of person who would sit down and watch, you know, um, YouTube videos about comma placement. Not everybody's going to do that. <laughs> I get it. I've done it. Mostly because I was like really irritated with myself. That I couldn't figure it out using the damn Chicago style manual. That's beside the point. I do own one. It's on my desk. Um, well, CMOS, CMOS is pretty dry. It is. Sometimes, yeah. you need, sometimes you want like somebody with like a whiteboard and a, and a, and a black marker and, and like a visual visual demonstration about in this circumstance, this is why you do it this way. But I think it boils down to, I think, that a lot of times, most of the time, fandom is reader-centric. And, or reader and viewer-centric. It's not, sorry, this cough drop is getting the best of me. Oh, that was really strong. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's, so they have all these environments where their needs come first. What they want comes first. But I don't know how, well, it's. I don't have a single environment on the internet except for not even really crossroads um, that is designed specifically and only for readers. In fact, most are not. Wild Hair Project, it's for writers. Readers can read, but we don't care if you do. Rough Trade, um, for writers. Cross 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Crossroads is not explicitly for readers, although what ha what, what we've done often is when, when writers are getting deep into something, is we do encourage them to change servers just because it can get toxic in a way yeah when people who are not writers get all up in a plotting process it's not that they have to change because sometimes people want to talk about their ideas it's just like hey you know you might want to get help with this on just right or encourage people to join just right but it's not like it's forbidden it's just like the mod team tries to protect the writers when they are getting in deep on something but also sometimes i recognize that sometimes a writer wants to that group think environment with readers and, and if, and if also that's good, sometimes readers aren't as intimidating as other writers yeah and if that's the environment they're going for it's not like it's forbidden it's just like it's like sometimes we'll kind of like try to make sure that they know there's another option um but yeah so even crossroads isn't specifically designed just for readers um we even do the podcast on crossroads uh for the discord it's um so i don't set out to create reader-centric spaces because there are a fuck ton of reader-centric spaces in fandom. You don't need mine too. And I think that, well, I think that people get put off by the idea that I'm creating content that's not specifically for readers. It's like they think that all my content on my site was created for them. And it wasn't. It was created for me. Oh, I thought it was for me. <laughs> no. It's not mine? Well, shoot. No. <laughs> no, really. I mean, a lot of people think that I do write for them. It's just why they offer me all these suggestions about what they want. And um, and I'm disappointed when I don't do what they want. Uh, because don't I want more readers? Why am I not on AO3? Don't, don't you? I've gotten three of those this week from 911 readers wanting to know why I'm not on AO3. They just don't. They just don't get it. I mean, the thing is, a lot of the nine one one fandom—not all, but a lot—have um, they have no. Well, I cannot figure which Discord alert alerts, but anyway, they have no concept of uh, mo not because okay, so I would say my this is just my my estimate from interacting with the fandom pretty closely for a while is a, about ninety percent. <laughs> we are the same person. About ninety percent have no other fandom experience before 911. So their fandom experience is Tumblr and AO3. They don't have any perspective about what life was like before AO3. They don't have any perspective about they don't even understand the 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 at mass Tumblr exodus that occurred and why people who used to be on Tumblr aren't on Tumblr anymore. And and, and honestly a lot of them aren't interested in finding out. They aren't interested in understanding fandom culture. They just you know, kind of dump, dive into this experience, and then they just kind of dump on anybody who doesn't meet their expectations for. Well, one person yeah. emailed me about joining AO3 and acted like I didn't know what it was. And like, they'll get you an invitation if you need it. I've been offered that several times. I'm so I sent them my profile anymore. where all my translation work is, because um, that's how me and the translators manage the content. Uh, and um, she wrote back and she was, you don't have anything in English on there. I said, I know. I'm aware. I might have noticed. Didn't you enjoy that Russian fic? <laughs> I know it's awful, okay? I know it's awful. And so <clears throat> finally she wrote back and asked me why I'm being such a bitch about it. I said, well, you're the one intruding on my fandom experience with your expectations. And I'm the bitch. Right. 
I said, I don't post my work on AO3 and I won't for years and years. I said, if I ever do, it's because I'm retiring. Um, I'm not going to post my work on AO3. I let translators do it because that's their work. They've worked really hard on translating that. And then that's where they want to put it. And I'm okay with that. That because that they work their ass off for that translation. They deserve to get whatever content they want. Honestly, they, you know. honestly, I wouldn't put a foreign language translation on my No, it's a lot of work. Um and also because I would be able to verify easily what it actually says. It's true, true. It's also yeah, that's also an issue. Um, but the other side of it is is that I told her, I said, look, I don't want to post on AO3 because they allow pedophilia. Straight up. And so the I said the only reason I would do it is would be as a fan service as I'm retiring. And honestly, I, I think that a lot of people in the 911 fandom are just oblivious to that because I don't think we've seen a lot of that infiltrate. Oh my god, if I saw that on the in 911 we, let's not let's not imagine the scenario. Um, I don't. I would think we've fucking seen it. lose my mind. And I think that that would be the time that I start trolling people on AO3. Right. <laughs> um, that would be my breaking point. <laughs> so, I think that they don't have like a concept of what's uh, and that's the, that's one of the reasons. Like I talk to people and I realize that they don't really read in other fandoms. Like they've got 911, Lone Star, and occasionally they like read a crossover with some other procedural. Um, and they've heard of other fandoms. But it's not like it's a main thing for them. And so their idea, they don't really have a background, right? Um, and some of them are about the age I was when I got into fandom, which is mid to late twenties, which does not mean they're young, but they're young in terms of fandom, right? Now, there are also some young people, like 15, 16 years old, which I don't have a problem with that either. It's it's difficult um, sometimes in fandom spaces where they want to have adult content and yet they're allowing 16-year-olds. So that's always a little bit of a difficult thing to manage. But um, so it's... Um, the army at but, our back. <laughs> no, but people have people who don't have a lot of fandom experience they don't understand necessarily where other people are coming from um and so they think if you're not doing things the way they're used to which you know depending upon which fandom you're in like there are some fandoms that are mostly on wattpad uh, which i find to be utterly bizarre like as a platform i cannot imagine a worse one for authors than wattpad but um so but whatever their fandom experience is if they haven't been in fandom they haven't been around a while they haven't done this before they have a very narrow view of of what normal should look like and then they try to impose that view on other people why aren't you doing it the way i think is normal why aren't you oh if you're not going to post on ao3 why don't you post on tumblr like that's your alternative like the least useful posting interface known to man a tumblr okay yeah i don't number one i don't tumble well um number two i don't like tumblr Number three, I think I'm too dirty for Tumblr. Um, I'd probably get thrown off. Yeah, I mean, according to their terms of service, but you are. <laughs> but I don't think Tumblr. But I mean, the thing is, is like the thing. Is, somebody asked me, "Why don't you have a Tumblr?" Because there was some sign up for something where you were doing it through Tumblr. I said, well, "I don't have a Tumblr," so I wasn't going to participate. So why don't you have a Tumblr? I said, "Well, I used to." Because, like, you know, for a long time, most people had, like, all the main social media accounts, and Tumblr was one of them. I said, you know, I was one of the people who, who decided to leave over the change in terms of service and the whole female presenting nipples thing. And they said, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, baby, you... That wasn't even that long ago. Right? It's not like this was the live journal purge that was so long ago. That was, you know, that live journal thing was more than a decade. That was way more than a decade ago. This was just a couple few years ago. 
So, I, you, know, you know, I'd be like, I'm not on Doom. I actually forget. do have a Tumblr for Sims, but gaming, but not for uh, fandom. Uh, but why would I, I put mean, my fanfics up in a place where I can't put, post a picture of a dick? Well, you don't really Asking post for pictures a friend. of a dick. You don't I do have some explicit of... fan art. I do. You do, but I mean, generally when you post your your stories, it's not like there's dick pics all over them. But as a communication platform, Tumblr is lousy for actual communication. It's one directional. It's, you know, the constant reblogging back and forth. I went to one person's Tumblr recently and it's like, it felt like I was reading the same post five or six times. I'm like, oh, I am. It's the whole, they're communicating. Communicating, and I say this in air quotes with one another. I um, don't get the reblogging thing. I don't actually understand how Tumblr works. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to find responses or read responses. And I don't want to be taught. So no emails. So no emails. People see their fandom experience, whatever it is, especially their first fandom experience, as normal. And I understand that. I mean, my first fandom experience was Yahoo groups and web rings. It seemed web normal rings. To me. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm, I'm dating myself, yes, but that was my, I, this was pre-fanfiction.net. And the thing is, most of the people that I knew were leery of fanfiction.net. So I didn't know anybody, even once it came around, who was actually willing to post on fanfiction.net. Um, yeah, you could go in a real rabbit hole on a web ring. It, it, it's like going down a YouTube rabbit hole, only worse, because you never knew where you were going to land. Sometimes you'd find this gem, and you would be, like, sucked in for weeks at a time. It was it was great. Um, and sometimes you would land so, in the seventh level of hell. And you're like, how do I get out? How do I get back to where I was? Um, <clears throat> so, it, that to me, that was normal. That was my fan fiction experience. And when somebody, like, the first time I got... Um, somebody posting on an archive, like an E, those EFIC archives. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a little strange, but I didn't like go, well, why aren't you posting on Yahoo groups? Because honestly, part of me recognized this made more sense than the Yahoo groups format. <laughs> whatever. Right. Um, so, but people think their initial experience is normal. People coming into fandom now, they've got AO3. They've got a much better platform for fan fiction delivery. Um, even if the content tagging is a fucking nightmare. Um, because it tagging as a system only works well for information sorting if it, there's some level of consistency. And there's no consistency. And there's none. So. It's a nightmare. Odds are, you know, and the thing is, People can have very similar stories that aren't tagged the same. So, you know, you're not going to get the same thing. Um, anyway, um, people who come into that, and I agree that somebody mentioned in the chat that Tumblr is really great for pictures. And I agree. It actually is really nice for photo sets and gift sets and stuff. Um, so somebody's experience is Tumblr for visual and, you know, AO3 for, for story, I could see them thinking this is great and I I like this and why isn't everybody doing it? But there are there's more to life than just the reason that people post on those platforms. So, and they just don't make any allowance for people to be different about that, which is kind of weird. Yeah, she told me I wasn't special too. I'm like, bitch, you don't even know me. It was funny. Um, uh, one of the people who told me outright that I needed to be posting on told me I don't understand why you're not posting on 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 the AO3 with someone who I had just been observing on a server having a little rant about how there was lack of um, uh, 
basically lack of gender diversity, um, that there weren't enough trans people in the 911 stuff and that we needed to let people also, there weren't enough ace, you know, characters that, you know, that, you know, that they needed to be, people need to be writing, you know, Eddie is demisexual or writing buckets, need, needing to like, and so here she's advocating for more diversity in sexuality and, <laughs> and, and um, gender expression and wants more inclusivity in, in, in this stuff and at the same time is saying that I shouldn't be posting where I want to post. I was like Well was she really because like that conversation yes they we do need more representation but absolutely what you were saying sounded like she was ordering people to do it. Well she was. Uh, yeah. um, it was like it, it wasn't a matter I mean it, it wasn't a, there's this there's this tone um from quite a lot of people in 911 about what people should be doing. Um, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And this is the way you should take this. Um, I look forward to you seeing know. you write it. Yeah, go for it. You know, you sh this is what you should be getting out of this episode. And this is how you should be feeling about this character. Oh, really? I am uh, like, suck my whole my dick. I'm like up to my eyeballs with fed up with people telling me how I should feel about Taylor Kelly. I mean, she was an honest to God heifer when we were introduced to her in season two. Yeah. And if I don't want to get on board with how they retconned her character in season four, I don't have to. Now, I actually have kind of come around a little bit about her, but I don't have to. And the funny thing is, the same people who absolutely loathe Anna are like, love Taylor, which I find to be bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Because there's more reason to dislike Taylor, canonically speaking. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it is weird. It but reminds me of that tag on AO3 that I was a little startled by, where authors were tagging their fic that we like Anna Flores because we're not racist. Okay. Wow, Nick. I had no idea. Yeah, there's been some mentions about some of the tweets she's been all up in, 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 in that she's engaging in, with fandom in a sort of passive-aggressive but toxic way. Um, I don't dislike Anna as a character. I think she's... Number one, I'm like, really unhappy with the fact that they cast an actress who was not Latina to play her. Um, yeah. That's gross. Two, she has zero character development. And what, and what we do see of her isn't likable. There's just nothing there. Um, <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> muffin gate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the fandom's a little wackadoo. Um, and, and they're getting worse. It's sort of like the, anybody who um, didn't like some stuff that Chimney's done in season five has been called out like on Tumblr and Twitter is, you know, if you write a fic about it, right. You're getting called out on Tumblr and Twitter as being a racist. It's like, really? But it's that kind of mentality. Cause this isn't really about the 911 fandom, but it's that kind of mentality that leads people to thinking that you must want their feedback about how you post, about what you write. Um, well, this person in particular, the one that about the 911 was startled when I told her that I didn't need more readers because that was her main argument about being me being on 03 that i would have more exposure i'm like i don't need that but even if you didn't already have plenty of readers what is what is what is enough readers what if you have 100 people who read everything you write and that's enough for you yeah i mean people are putting value on the quantity um as opposed to are you happy? <laughs> then she said, you, I would get more comments. And I'm like, I don't even ask my readers to comment. I give them the ability to do so, but they know they don't have to. And that 
floored her. She did not understand that at all. And I'm like, are you on? I wanted to ask her, are you on that Facebook group? <laughs> right. The one that should the, the <coughs> Yeah, I mean, I've got like 26K plus comments on my website, but I don't care. There are a lot of readers who have never commented on my site, and I'm fine with that. I don't, because that's not really, I don't, I don't think readers are currency, and that is a mentality in fandom. Um, that I think readers buy into, too. So they want to be seen as valuable to you, something that you covet. I want to be read, but it doesn't keep me up at night. I don't think about it. I don't stress over it. And I know some readers, writers do, and I find that really disheartening. Yeah. Which might sound a little patronizing, but I don't mean it to be. I wish that those writers weren't so invested in that kind of validation because it's temporary and it's, they'll turn on you on a dime. So you can't, you can't, have, you can't put any value in that kind of validation because it, it can disappear. And, and then what do you have left? But the whole issue about taking fan fiction seriously, taking my writing seriously. Um, I have been writing since I was, 11 or 12 years old. I finished my first book at 12, um, which is usually the date that I use as my, you know, my writer moment. Um, I've always taken my writing very seriously from the very beginning. I taught myself how to plot. I taught myself how to, uh, to, to build characters. Um, I used to read writing magazines and that's before, you know, the internet even existed. Uh, it, it's, well, it existed, but it didn't exist in the format that it was readily available to me. I think the internet's been around since the 70s, late 70s. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got on Prodigy when I was 12. Um, I'm a little older than you, just a tiny bit. So by the time you were 12, it would have existed, but I don't know if you had a computer when you were 12. I mean, you you started off on a typewriter, so. Right, now I didn't. Um, but I don't think I got actually um, really got involved on, on the internet until the late 90s, 99, 98. I mean, I was all up on, um, at least I think that I was 12 when we got Prodigy. I mean, I don't remember what the internet service was um, on that. Because then we got my first computer when I was 12, which is why my first, I never started with a typewriter. I started with a computer. So Prodigy was 88. Um, so I would have gotten that computer in 85. I don't know what the online service was when I was 12. But it would have been like listservs, right? Yeah. It was something. There was something that I was using right away because, I mean, I was I went gangbusters on the internet. But I remember getting my first Prodigy account and just being all up in Prodigy and then AOL. Um, which apparently was closer to when I was 15. But I started writing on a computer. And, um, I mean, I'd used a typewriter. But I remember they had, I learned to really type, like, more than hunt and peck on that computer. And it had this little typing game on a little diskette. And you would type the letters as they fell from the, from the, from the top of the screen. Yeah. That's how yeah. type. Yeah. But I've always taken it seriously. Always. And writing fan fiction um, is a hobby. But writing is not a hobby for me. Um, I write every day. Even if I don't sit down in front of my computer, I write in my head. I've told myself whole novels in my head before. And it's important to me 
that I continue to grow as a writer. And the way you do that, the way I do that is to, is to surround myself with other writers and to talk about writing and talk about the process, the craft. And that's what I do on this podcast a lot of the time when we're talking about technical parts of, of writing is that we're doing that. We are exploring our craft um, because creativity begets creativity. And I don't want there to come a day when I don't, when I'm not creative. I want my brain to be really active and, and, and firing on all pistons until the very last moment. Whether I'll get that wish or not is, you know, up for debate. <laughs> Old age being what it is. But <clears throat> the idea that I shouldn't take my fan fiction seriously because I don't get paid for it. And that's the, that's the kicker right there, right? Um, is ridiculous. Why would I cultivate bad habits in my hobby that could end up in my professional work? Yes, sometimes in fandom I do things that I would not do in professional work because it amuses me. Um, and it's my hobby, the, the, the fan fiction part. But and sometimes I do experiments in fan fiction just to see how they work that I wouldn't that I can't do in professional work. Um, and you know, I'm gonna channel my mama for a minute and just say, because I said so. <laughs> I'm going to take That's it right. seriously because I fucking so. said so. <clears throat> I just don't. But also, why the fuck does anybody care how seriously I take my writing? Does anybody ever ask anybody how seriously they take their knitting? Isn't the same. Well, well unless you, you do it for a living. Too seriously. <laughs> are you getting paid for that knitting? If you are, good job. That's about knitting is that they like they'll ask you if you get paid for your artwork or if you get paid for your writing and then turn around and ask you to knit for free or sew for free you sell me a quilt yeah that'll be nine hundred dollars what for a basic pattern queen size but if you want one that'll cover that california king and you want more than a basic patchwork that's gonna be 12 maybe even 1500 girl get real that's when you get into yeah not including the fabric yeah Huh? Especially when you get into things like quilting. It's very expensive. Um, it's a lot of fucking work. But, you know, it's like, so I, I would, you know, like, how, how dare you enjoy the product of my labor and then begrudge me my own feelings about that labor? It's an interesting question. Would they, if you weren't taking your writing seriously, would they still be delighted? Because, you know, I have, um, I've read some artists, not artists, <laughs> I've read some writers in fandom who, the like, the quality of their writing really slipped um, when they, um, you can tell that they got, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's like their first few stories were good, and, or they had really good quality to the, the not, it, I'm not, it's not sure how to articulate. It's like their craft got worse the more they started putting out. It's like they started putting out stories faster and faster to like meet some sort of, I don't know, frenetic demand. Um, and the quality of their writing diminished. And you can you can kind of track it over time. It's like, oh, they were better three years ago. When they were the getting less attention. The, possibly. Um, and that's that's unfortunate because... Um, I know for me, while I may have enjoyed their, their first few stories, I stopped enjoying the stuff that, um, felt like it was, you know, written from a paragraph library. 
and not even bother Gross. to be slammed through a spell checker. I mean, honestly, spell check is the minimum you can do to show the, any kind of care for your writing. And if you can't be bothered with that, I don't even know what to say. And there are writers who can't be bothered to spell check something they're going to put up as finished on AO3 or wherever they're going to post it. And I don't even know what to, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm honestly never talking to somebody who can't be bothered to run spell check. I don't, and I'm not talking about on their rough draft process because there are times I don't want to deal with spell check on my rough draft either. Um, there is a difference. Which, though. Yeah. Which, I mean, there are times though, like my, the autocorrect on my tablet is really weird and aggressive. And so sometimes some really strange things wind up in the document and it's like man i should have spell checked that <laughs> because this when i run spell check in word it, the grammar checker's on and it's gonna gag on some of those bizarre phrases yeah like what the hell did you mean like i don't know i don't know what i meant with that roll with it word just roll with it <laughs> ignore but we should, we should title this podcast i'm never talking to you I mean, no, we're never talking to you. It's like, I don't, someone accused me of being a reader basher, which is inaccurate. I just, please don't expect me to value the opinion of a reader over my own or to value a reader's entertainment over my own or to take their wishes more seriously than my own. Because that is, this is not, this is, this is, bitch, you're getting this for free. You need to slow your roll and stay in your goddamn lane. And don't tell me where to post. Don't tell me what to post. Don't tell me how to post. Don't tell me what to write. Don't get bitchy when I don't write the fandom you want me to write. Just just don't. Just don't. Don't get butthurt because I don't spend 10 hours a week talking about Tony Donozo's soulmate on a podcast. I think, three hours, <laughs> I think the three hours we talked about it was plenty. I agree. I agree. It was just, you know, don't. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. The ownership people assume over you and your time. Why are you playing games, Kira? Shouldn't you be writing? I've gotten that more than once on Facebook. Yeah. That was when um, your game post would go. Yeah. People would comment and go, why are you playing games? Shouldn't you be writing? Uh, actually, games are an integral part of my writing process. Helps me think. Clears out the cobwebs. Gives me something else to focus on. It's sort of like a fidget spinner, but different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It can't be too complicated, though. I like games that are not complicated. Um, that way I can focus on other things and, and not get mad when I when I lose. Yeah, I have like this nonogram that I'm really stuck on that I've been because I've been doing those in between when I like wanna. Uh, yeah, being stuck on being stuck on a logic puzzle is not relaxing. Not at all. Not at all. I just don't like to be told what to do. Number one, it it's like. And number two, I don't, there really isn't anybody, I don't even take orders from my husband and he pays the bills around here, y'all. Just saying, just saying. No matter how deep his voice gets when he asks, and he does ask, I don't always do what he asks either. <laughs> she loves you very white, but no. <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 it's insane how people assume that they can tell you what to do and what kind of free entertainment you're allowed to provide them. I don't, it is, it is the, the entitlement is so real. The magical butt sex mystery tour. Yeah. Allow. Yeah. Allow. I'm going to allow that. You are. Yeah, we, 
you and I talked about it when you first got this, um, that email, because we were, I think at first we we're both a little bit mystified, but and I get why some podcasts are more entertaining for somebody who's not a writer. Um, and I, I enjoy doing plot podcasts. I do. Um, and I think the plot podcasts are the ones that kind of straddle the line for the interest of yours and the writers. Um, I also really enjoy talking about the process of writing and how you get better. And if I listen to some of the old craft podcasts, I'd probably going, oh, I've changed. We should need to do an update on that because I've, I'm doing that differently now. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Listen to my old because... craft podcast. Because you, you do, you evolve. Things are different, right? And you grow. And you learn. You keep reading. I keep reading. I still read articles about writing. And um, and sometimes as I read, um, I'll read an author doing something in a way I have not really experienced before. And sometimes I'll do a little bit, little bit of writing research and um, see this is an interesting way to implement a certain thing. And, you know, I then maybe I might start doing things a little bit differently. So writing craft evolves. And when people think it doesn't, I don't, I don't, know, what to, I don't know what to say to that. I don't want you in my space if you think that, because I don't want that kind of attitude or uh, mentality infecting me. And one of the things I think about, you know, with, with fan with fan fiction writers specifically who don't have writing experiences outside of fandom, especially the ones that come in with a really good strong craft and kind of it kind of disintegrates, is I wonder how much of that is fandom creep. Yeah, yeah, really bad habits from other writers. Um, they're seeing how badly written fix get just as much attention as the ones that they put like their heart and soul into. And I was thinking, why the fuck should I bother? And sometimes I mean, that's tr trope choice as much as it is anything else. Um, there are certain tropes. And because the thing is, if, if you take a popular trope, a trope that people are just, and you take somebody who does it competently versus somebody who does it, you know, slapdash, the one that's done really well is going to still be favored in comments and kudos and all of those metrics people seem to care about. Um, the problem is, is especially sometimes the really, um, I don't, this is, sometimes I'm not sure how to say something without it coming off sounding like I'm a judgmental twat. Um, there are some tropes that I think a fandom will latch onto that are juvenile. Okay. And the, the more seasoned or mature writers that I know, wouldn't write those tropes. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And I know that sounds that might come across sounding obnoxious, and I, I don't mean it obnoxious. I think people should, I've always said I think people should write what they want to write, but there is no doubt that there are some tropes that people latch onto that are not the way grown-ups behave in the real world. And you see this in every fandom. This is not like a specific fandom thing. It's, there's, there's a lot of it in Harry Potter. There's a, certainly a lot of it in NCIS. Um, Temper tantrum Tony is not the way federal agents are allowed who carry guns are allowed to behave. Um, the the post lawsuit tropes where that move full on into abuse territory. Um, I just don't know well seasoned mature writers, and I don't mean mature in age, but mature in their craft who are going to embrace those tropes. So what people are seeing is these tropes, some family latches onto these tropes, and you don't have the, the more seasoned, mature writers writing them. So they're like, these are getting a lot of attention. Why am I not getting attention for the things I'm writing? Well, this is one of those things you just have to accept is people, you know, there is no accounting for what a mob will want to read. There's just no accounting. I call it the Jerry Springer effect. 
because yes, trash is going to catch attention. I'm sorry, that's probably really ugly to say, but it is the truth. There's a reason why Jerry Springer was popular, and it was not because it was good entertainment, or at least it wasn't classy entertainment. I mean, it it was like it was like a train wreck, is what it was. You could once you started watching, you couldn't look away. And I'm not I'm not trying to bash because I mean some fix handle these things better than others, but. This, the like it's depending upon the fandom and what the trope is, the extreme ways that are way outside anybody's suspension of disbelief. Like grown-ups don't get to behave this way. Um, people latch on to them, you know, and they really will ignore as a group that this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make sense for adults to behave like this, and it sort of doesn't make sense in a case of like abusive situations for adults to behave like that. And then like the character who's been abusing the one character to get together later, but you know, whatever. Mm. Yeah. And all the crying. Yeah. Shadow. That's a really good point. People want an easy path to specific kinds of drama. And that is actually, I think probably at the root of a lot of this is that they do want specific kinds of drama and that it is an easy path to it. These immature tropes, that just don't actually make any sense where you could get the drama in a more complex way, but it takes more words, takes more thought. It takes somebody putting more skill into their craft, more time to develop it. And so writers who are putting time and effort, see who are writing more, honestly, I'm call it more mature tropes or, you know, writing, whatever are seeing, feeling like they're not getting as much attention. And that that's really, unfortunate that that is where anybody's brain winds up going because you can't account for people's bad taste i don't know how else to put it and i don't mean that obnoxiously and i'm not trying to bash anybody's fic you know um it's just that sometimes these tropes that appeal to the child like id um are what people are paying attention and it's what people latch on to and sometimes it might even be a case of people working out their own emotional issues, which is fine. That is absolutely fine. It's absolutely legitimate. But it doesn't necessarily stem from good craft. Like the whole, the whole, all the tropes around Tony being so emotionally fragile that he, he basically breathes on him wrong and he falls apart. You can't, I mean, he carries a gun. <laughs> so you can't be like that and carry a gun. <laughs> it just, He's not going to pass his psyche valves if he's that fragile. Um, but I could, I can understand people are like they're they're putting this emotional fragility onto these characters who canonically are not and could not be that emotionally fragile because they relate to it, and that's fine. Write what you want to write. Write what makes you feel good. But then people will look at that and go, I don't understand why this thing that to me is not good writing is getting so much attention. And this thing I worked hard on is not. And then they'll abandon the thing they've been working hard on and go start writing this other kind of stuff that they don't even like and then kill their own interest in writing. Or alternatively, their writing craft just hide in the toilet because they, actually, they just start getting attention and they start just churning out, you know. Meanwhile, some hobby gardener in Australia is digging up their creativity. I <clears throat> like to see growth in my work and in my writing um i think over the last couple of years i've i've had an immense um growth period as a writer um 
I see a lot of complexity in my writing that I felt like was missing for a while uh, that I'm really, really enjoying. And because I do have a somewhat healthy self-esteem, someone called me egomaniac the other day in an email, uh, but <laughs> I do have healthy self-esteem. So I don't get bent about these emails. Like I, I mean, I used to get really bent, but it wasn't like a self-esteem issue. It was like a outrageous, how fucking dare you moment, you know, it's like, but I was excitable in my twenties <laughs> and the early thirties. Cause I was also under medicated. Um, <laughs> just saying, just saying. Um, but I worry about writers who don't have the experience and the emotional tools to deal with this kind of bombardment. And I don't know how they post on AO3. So I'm not surprised when a, when an author just abruptly disappears from AO3 and all the work is gone. I'm not surprised at all because the culture is awful. It's just straight up awful. How, how, just on, just in a theory, how much abuse do you think you can pile on an individual trying to make them write what you want to write before they stop writing altogether and disappear on you? I mean, it's happened more than once, right? Right. So what it boils down to, if you're not seeing what you want in fandom, write it your damn self. And if you can't write it your damn self, then you need to sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. Because dictating somebody else's creativity or how they spend their time is outrageous. How dare you? Because I got news for you. When you're dictating somebody's creativity and how they spend their time, that makes you an employer. You need to write me a check. But not for fan fiction because that's illegal. I'm just saying. How I spend my free time, whether I'm doing writing or whether I'm doing a podcast on writing or whether I'm playing a game on my phone or whether I'm sitting down on my back porch watching my little dog go crazy, that is my business and none of yours. And how seriously I take my writing is my prerogative. To quote Bobby Brown. You get to take your right. You get to take your writing as seriously as you want to take it. <laughs> and alternatively, if there's a writer like listening right now, you can take your writing as seriously or not as seriously as you wish. That's your choice. But it's inappropriate for you to try to force your belief system on me when it comes to my writing craft. That's like me trying to make Lady Holder plot. It would be an abuse of power to force her to like do a zero draft plot. Or, you know, we did a plotting challenge once on um, Rough Trade. And I was like, okay, guys, you just got to do like, just give me like five plot points. And it was an exercise. It was like five or ten. Just just, do, just, just think about it. Do a little exercise. And it doesn't matter if you actually follow the exercise or not when you write. And they did it. I don't think, I don't even think, I don't think 75% of those people followed their actual plot. But that wasn't the point. But for me to say... You can't participate in rough trade unless you plot, submit your plot, and follow your plot before you start writing. And if you don't do exactly what your plot says, I'm going to throw you off my challenge. That would be rude as fuck. And ugly. Yeah. And awful. And it would make for a miserable writing experience for anybody who doesn't plot who tried. So why, you know, it's so... <sighs> I don't think some people get the fact that the podcast is just as much of a creative endeavor as writing. That we're creating content here. Um, and that we decide how that goes. 
we have a whole list of topics. We discuss what's going to happen, which topics are going to explore. We make art. It's like, it's a thing. Um, and I don't appreciate someone devaluing my work because they don't find it entertaining. Because I'm not here to entertain you. Just saying. <clears throat> and it's inappropriate. Huh? I said, what a narrow perspective. <laughs> well, I'm not here to irritate anybody. But a lot of people assume that writers in fandom are desperate for attention and validation. And so they feel like they can do whatever they want to them. Well, I'm not and the one. And to be fair, to be fair there, are, there are some writers who are desperate for attention and validation. And yeah. abusing that is, is ugly really ugly that's some straight up psychopathic shit actually um i just i do get a lot of emails and most of them are good to be truthful really nice and there's every once in a while there's just one where it's just really it's just full of entitlement like i said i've gotten three this week about why i'm not on ao3 and i'm just i'm i'm tired of explaining it i don't owe you an explanation for how i choose to post so i think for now i'm just going to like delete those i'm just not even going to respond just delete Delete, delete. Because I don't owe anybody that. I don't owe it to anybody to be on AO3 or fanfiction.net, although no one has ever asked me that. Right? Why aren't you on fanfiction.net? I just, I don't owe that to anybody. And it's so weird. It's so weird that people like feel like they can, e they can email me and tell me that they wish I didn't do many, as many writing podcasts as I do like fandom oriented podca podcasts and I shouldn't take my writing so seriously. Like really bitch, what? You took it so seriously that you wrote me an email about it. Well, they just want more entertainment and they don't find the craft podcast entertaining. Well, that can suck my whole entire dick. The tentacle one. The tentacle one. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't look relaxing at all. It might be. It might be an easy one. I can't tell yet. I just when when that size popped up, it's I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, gonna, it's, it's gonna be another demented turkey, you watch. <laughs> it's a logic puzzle. Basically. Um, it's like a visual logic puzzle. They're called nonograms, also possibly called cross V's or pit crosses. Um they're not irritating. They're not relaxing for me at all. They frustrate the fuck out of me. Um, but I find logic puzzles generally relaxing. So this is a type that um, there is a color version too. It has slightly different rules um, that I do sometimes. But I generally find. But sometimes, like the last one I did, it was it was so obtuse that I just was like, I, I don't try to figure them out visually. I follow the clue. I follow the. Clue. But it it was so difficult that it was like putting one square in, then going back around the board, putting one square in, and going back around the board, and putting one square in, and it was just it was difficult. Mm -mm. <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of Minecraft, which I suck at. Oh, I love Minecraft. My I, do you mean Minesweeper? Yes, I don't know why oh, I said I Minecraft. Love, I love Minesw I love Minesweeper. I figured that's what you meant because you were talking about mine logic puzzles. Yeah, me and Minesweeper are not good friends. I used to do those big, what, they, 64 by 64 grids or something like that. You're ridiculous. I love those. <laughs> but I, I don't, you know, we talk about reader entitlement a lot, right? And, you know, and there's writer entitlement and fandom that's really just as awful and just as toxic. Um, I don't encounter that much because I will boot a writer out of my life faster than 
faster than faster than a reader in a weird way because reader is just like they know to to not they know they learn quickly not to get there but the funny thing is one of the things we talked about another podcast is writer entitlement will engender reader entitlement Mm -hmm. and we had had a whole podcast about how writer behaviors engender toxic reader behaviors and how you got to be on guard about that kind of thing that's that is a whole other discussion but i don't think we've ever encountered kind of what amounted to reader entitlement about the podcast so it was a little startling it was like what is this yeah wait a minute i do wonder if it's because my distribution is expanded um because now i'm searchable on amazon um <sighs> kind of gives me yeah. eyes but anyway we had to I had, we, had, we had to parse it a little bit like what is going on here and it's like oh they don't want to actually learn about writing at all like why are you listening to a craft podcast if you don't want to learn about writing why are you listening to something i called titled the them table? specifically you know well writer entitlement is that whole thing nick where you know you see a writer blackmailing their their readers for for view like comments like if i get 50 comments i'll post the next part and honestly writer entitlement is also things like the whole um you know uh the two cakes thing can be a, a writer entitlement thing um Anything that goes along with kind of toxic views about plagiarism can be writer entitlement, which is sort of like I have the idea to, I have the right to lift any idea I I hear, and write it, um, just just because as long as I'm not taking their actual words, anything that is said is fair game. Um, also, I think that um, I think toxic writer behaviors. This is my opinion. Is the whole now I have seen writers who are very accomplished, obvious, obviously plotter writers who choose to do a choose your own adventure thing with their readers i don't like that style of writing personally but i don't find that behavior toxic so i'm not talking about that i'm talking when i'm saying this i'm talking about writers who don't know what they're doing next and they'll like put a poll in their comment section should i have this character get together with this character or not should i have this character you know it's like they're deeply they're inviting their readers into their process and so they're teaching readers to assume they have that right with every writer and readers do assume that they have that right because they learn it with some writers and so particularly some fandoms have it a lot and so then they'll go on to the next reader and what you're inheriting when they start giving you you know your comment section is filled with them telling what they think you should do next is they've learned this from other writers so it's a lot of bad like i said bad reader behaviors are now like i said i have seen writers who do this i'm not talking about writers who are doing something very deliberate like um i read a story i i found it weird i I said i would never do this but i i found it weird but i did read a story once where the author basically was doing a survey like on tumblr or something where readers were given three choices or four choices about a specific plot point not the whole story but about okay um this character is going to get a pet in the next um thing are they going to get a dog a cat a parrot you know whatever um okay the baby's going to be born um what's the baby's you know name going to be are they you know and give a list give five names and then the readers pick it and then that's what gets so basically it's a little bit a little bit like a mad lib but not quite so basically the author has planned some blanks in their story and is filling it in with reader choice i think it's gimmicky and goofy personally but if people want to do something like that, if, if it's fun for the writer and it's fun for the reader, go for it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who clearly have no idea what they're doing and they're 
they're writing their story in the comment section with the readers because that just engenders really toxic behavior. It also um, usually ends up with them writing themselves into a corner. There's too many cooks in that pot. Yeah. And sometimes, and then what happens is sometimes authors fizzle on a story because it winds up going in a direction that they don't like or that, like Kira said, they've written themselves into a corner and they don't know how to get out of it. Well, they don't know how to get out out of it because they never got into the situation to begin with their readers got them into it and let me tell you even with a group of writers you can get plotted into a corner i've i've tried with a group of writers to like solve a plot problem and it will go to this cracktastic bizarre place so quickly i mean you have to you have to know how to police your boundaries when you're working with, in a group setting trying to solve a problem and like okay no i got my problem solved that's it no more talking about it because if you don't, <laughs> the next thing you know, you know, your character is growing tentacles and um, is 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 an, a hit wizard and you're not even in, writing a Harry Potter fusion. It's like, how did this happen? <laughs> it's like, how did Tony Denoso become a hit wizard? This is not a Harry Potter story. This is not what kind of help I was looking for. Well, that's the help you got. That's the help you allowed. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting that we're like, uh, all these episodes end as a podcast. And now we have somebody talking about, you know, complaining about the topics that we choose. It's just, it's, it's, it's bizarre. But then to, the, the, the way it was phrased, it was really insulting. Well, recently I've been getting some insulting comments. I don't think they mean them to be insulting, but Y'all bitches, it'd be really nice if you'd stop be surprised when I write something good. <laughs> stop acting like you're surprised. <laughs> I get that sometimes too. Like, wow, this was actually this was, I got this, comment, this was like, actually wow, great. This, this was Thank actually you. really good. I was like, your word choice leaves something to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. I was, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. That's great. I'm tempted to, sometimes I'm tempted to say, wow, is English really your first language? Because <laughs> I hope it wasn't with that particular string of words you put together. It's, yeah. It's so, it's, it, it, it's so condescending. Uh, oh, one. Edie, I need to, I'd put you in the corner if I wasn't on my tablet and it's really hard to manage roles on a mobile device. Somebody who's on a desktop, put Edie in the corner. I guess it's already in the Sinbin Hall of Fame. Well, but sometimes somebody needs to be in red, so we know they've been naughty. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know. I, I most of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time, I don't take anything I get in mail in, um, email seriously when it's like ugly. I just like, okay, fine, whatever. Fuck you, delete. Um, and then sometimes it's just something that just strikes me weird. It's like, and it was not insulting. It was just weird. Like, why, number one, are you so invested in my podcast that you took time out of your life to come to my website to complain about it? And two, why do you care? It, it, it's easy to skip. It is super easy to skip a podcast. You just don't yeah, listen to I it. Mean if it's titled the writer's table and you don't like the craft podcast skip it i kind of want consenticles in a 911 fic now i was like okay <laughs> I'm, I'm, why am i not mad at that idea i feel like i should be mad at that idea it's like okay 
I look forward to reading it, Star. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Buck who has sent it. I think so, too. Um, I thought the same thing. That's why he gets light so much. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have not seen this. Um, I have not seen that story either. I Obviously, my filters are a little bit too strong <laughs> on AO3. <laughs> if, if I'm missing tentacle thick. I think sometimes um, there's this funny thing is sometimes I like, and I don't know if that's the case with this. I'm not, I'm not making a um, thing. Um, uh, sometimes like an author will really put me off on the first story I read of theirs. And then when I see a story of theirs again, like in my list, I'll just skip over it. So I, I, and the thing is it might turn out that the only story of theirs that I intensely disliked was that one that was the very first one I read of theirs. There's a Teen Wolf author, actually, who put me off on the very first story of it, like, in a deep, unfortunate way. I, and I, it's every time I'd see them again, I would be like, nope, nope, nope. Um, and then people would be, like, wrecking that their the stories to me over, you know, left, right, and center. And I'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it would it turned out that the problematic one is just really that first one I read. <laughs> and that happens sometimes, right? It's like, yeah. you get really wrong. And you just kind of blanket, like kind of protect to protect yourself. You don't want to get that trigger hit again. You just ignore that writer entirely. Um, and the AO3 enhancement plug makes that really easy. <laughs> yeah. Cause you'd be like, Oh, I'm blocking this writer out. And then it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should have just blocked that one. Someone put, who put tentacles on that? <laughs> I did. Who do you think? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you you gave me the um, you gave the me the uh, power. Yeah. You gave me the tentacles, the tentacle emoji. I'm going to use the tentacle emoji. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, my my. By the way, my example of author that I skip, it actually isn't this author. I mean, I know the author in, in the nine one fandom that I skip. Um, blanket skip and <laughs> that I sometimes have to, you know, I, I'll take somebody's then, if somebody goes, you should read this one, then I'll go back and read. It isn't it isn't the author that was, so. I will put an author on my no list if they use one of those ridiculous, we die like some, and they actually name a character that I, that I find it offensive, I will put them on my no list because I find that so fucking offensive. I saw one the other day, yeah. and, no beta, we die like Shannon Diaz. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Or no. no beta, we die like all those people on this pier, and I was like, "Gross!" No. It's actually no. a real trend in nine one one to have really offensive no beta, we die like you know. There's Gross. one that 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 uh, was it the violin or cello player that died in the accident. Somebody has oh. tagged that no beta, we die like the girl in the in the accident with, uh, and they actually name her, but I can't remember. I mean, Han was destroyed about that, and it was such a sad episode, and to. To try to make a funny tag out of it. People will be in people will be inappropriate. I mean, you do you, but I mean, I I reserve the right to be um, to not read your shit if I think that you're. Yes, the no beta we die like Carlos shirt button. I I will actually give a fic a shot, even on a bad summary, for using that tag because I've never seen so many shirt buttons. Let's <laughs> go. I mean, T TK does like to rip his shirt open. You imagine Carlos, mom. Honey, why do you keep having to? Why do I keep having to put put your buttons back on your shirts? The other one that um, there are there are some, there are some that are funny, like no beta, we die like uh, uh, Buck and Eddie's heterosexuality. I think that's amusing. Um, but some of them are just fucking awful. Yeah, they're terrible. 
I think we need a no beta. We like all those muffins. <laughs> those poor muffins. Those muffins. Those, we're never gonna. Nope. Phantom is never gonna get over all those muffins. I can't get over the the messy kitchen. Oh Jesus, Milo! I have not encountered that one, but that is terrible. No, I think all the. <gasps> that is so ugly. Oh my God. See, if the story was great, I would put that author on a block list just because of that shitty tag. So sometimes you do miss out on... And I, I am not saying that about this author, because as far as I know, this author that was linked with the tentacle story um, is a responsible tagger. I've not encountered anything like that with them. I just haven't read that story because they've got... I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think this author has more than 100 and I haven't made it through them. I'm by that author, um, but as far as I remember... Now I gotta see if I'm thinking of the right person. So the um, the story in question was Everyone Loves, Loves a Tentacle by Mansika, M-A-N-S-I-K-K-A. Let me see if I'm remembering the, if the author correctly. Um, yes, this author has 112 911 works, so it's really easy even if you've read a handful of them to have missed their tentacle fic. But I shall rectify yes, that we shall, we shall go read about the consenticles. <laughs> <clears throat> When someone takes something off of your right, Erte, it's really difficult to trust their actual tags and warnings when they're using something so tone deaf as a tag. Like, how do I trust you to warn appropriately for things that might bother me when you're using a tag like that? I can't. So you, so you go on my list. It's like people are of people I do not. It's read. like people are one-upping each other with their tags and not thinking about how obnoxious it is i think a lot of people don't know how obnoxious they are <laughs> i can't say that with a straight face <laughs> I was, it's just like it does tend to i know exactly how obnoxious i am um but some people don't realize they don't understand the ripples and ramifications of the, their own behavior yeah and a lot of times it's like this tagging thing we just were talking about. Often it does stay specific to a fandom, whereas other things will have bigger fandom creep. I know like Star Wars has some really shady tagging. Um, and obviously 911 has some shady tagging. But it's not like you see people starting to tag their their NCIS fix with shady death tags, right? Um, Yet. Yeah. Well, but Starlight, that is... Can, that is at least fandom contextually accurate <laughs> and funny <laughs> yeah that is what it's like charlie is that they're um, messing around with their group of friends one-upping each other then post fic and don't realize that people who don't understand what they're reading are going to be looking at that and going what the fuck is wrong with you and assuming that there's actually a lot wrong with you honestly and possibly even be tra being traumatized by your ugly ass tag I hate the culture on AO3 of not taking tags seriously. People just writing full out fucking senses in their tags. Maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. This could be an old lady thing. I'm willing to own it if it is. But why can't you just use tags appropriately? Well, part of the it's way AO3 is supposed to be work is based upon the tagging system. People don't take it seriously. It doesn't work. The Tumblr crowd ruined AO3. I'm tired of seeing Tumblr tag situations on AO3. To be perfectly frank. I'm not here for it. Also, I'll just own it. I'm one of those officious bitches that, you know, reports for the abuse, you know, anything that violates terms of service. So, someone posts a fucking prompt, I'm 
got or don't post a fix search as thick. It's getting reported, baby. I hate those fix searches. I report every single one I see. Yep. Fix searches posted as thick. I mean, and the, the it's, it's quick and it's simple. You just scroll down to the bottom of the page, report abuse, it populates the link for you, and you just put in what is the vibe. You don't have to use a lot of words. This is not a fan work. This is a fix search and click submit. One and done. I was on AO3 and I saw this post. I won't tell the fandom. Um, where this person says, I'm not a writer, but I have a whole bunch of ideas. Um, if you write my ideas, you have to uh, list me as a co-author. And then I didn't click on it. I, I didn't, I didn't want to see it. So I didn't click on the actual to see what her ideas were in her post. Um, that she posted like fiction. But I'm thinking, that's some shit right there. That not only, okay, you're not a writer. You have these ideas. They, I don't know what they were. They're, they were probably honestly a bunch of tropes. I should have looked. Um, and you expect to get author credit for someone writing a list from your trope list? I mean, uh, really? Wow. Why were they asking you to remove all your tags from your posted fic? Oh, Margaret, I have to know what. I mean, I'm, what fandom is this? I've been wondering. There's apparently some big kerfuffle in some fandom where people are basically posting all of their stuff as original works to get away from the fandom trolls, the fandom gatekeepers. You don't really have to tell me if you don't want to. Oh, really? Really? You just never know. <laughs> you really that just might as well be Little Pony. I mean, for all that it, it should be sweet. Oh, well, I've been rendered speechless. I knew it couldn't possibly be Supertrolls, so I knew that wasn't it. But I mean, the idea, the very idea that people are having to like remove the phantom tag and the pairing tag. Margaret, and... you're my favorite. <laughs> nice, Margaret. Nice. <laughs> but the pe people trying to get away from, think about it, people trying to get away from the fandom gatekeepers who are so bad that they're not putting in their pairing, they're not putting in their fandom, and then basically putting it on AO3 basically as an original work, and then telling people like small i guess a small list of people here's the story here's the link go read it only people who have the link will know what the fuck it is because it's not tagged for anything and that's because of the gatekeeping we should do a whole podcast about subtle and unsubtle gatekeeping the unsubtle this is unsubtle gatekeeping this is overt telling people what to do it's the subtle gatekeeping that's a look this is what, this is what you do you set up your ao3 account with an email that you never check Get you go over to Gmail, get you a new Gmail account that you're never going to check. Set up your AO3 account with that email. Post as often as you like under your name and moderate all your comments and never look at them. I'm actually looking forward to seeing this, Margaret. I, I wish I shouldn't be, but I've been so curious about what fandom was behaving this way, and now I'm kind of shocked. And, and then that way you don't have to worry about it. Don't look at the comments in your little dashboard thing. Don't check that email address. Just don't. I wish some of the author tools they have for moderating comments had been in place when I was on AO3 because I would have used them. It's I unfortunate. Mean, <clears throat> it's unfortunate that you have to use them because it'd be nice <coughs> to just be able to post. I will say AO3's comment culture is better than fanfiction.net. You know? But not by much. Yeah. Uh, it'll only get worse because fanfiction.net is getting less popular. Um, so a lot of those authors are migrating to AO3 and they're going to bring their lousy ass shitty readers with them. Was that I rude? I don't know, man. You pick up, 
No, I mean, it's true, but pick up a pick up an HP fic and go read the comment section. Right? That is nothing that's happened in 1903. Yeah. I mean, it's like, wow, dude. It's like people reading every chapter. And it's will be new comments. It's like it's it's like comments from like the last week. And they'll read every you're gonna age them up, please tag age up. Oh, wow. Remove the fandom tags. Okay. Wow. 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 So the question becomes, is that because of the ABO? <laughs> Which I know can be polarizing. I think it's just sex at all. I th- it, it's related to just any kind of shipping, right? Oh, okay. Well, I, I really wish I played that game. Y'all, 19 is an adult. It doesn't it need to be tagged write, for underage. It makes me want to write some generic kind of sex between, like, two dudes or two women or whatever and just then get somebody to tell me the names I should plunk in place and go post it. Right? <laughs> Something really filthy. Wait. I'm confused. But I don't want to ask you questions because it you know she didn't want to talk about the fandom. Um, well, I didn't want to mention the the fandom on the recorded podcast because she's never mentioned the fandom on the server before. When she is it like a TV problem. show, a cartoon show? Thank you for an interesting point. I think a lot of times fans associate an actor so strongly with a character that it is that it becomes deeply toxic. Uh, thank you, Jelena. That 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 goes up for me, Jelana. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, so let me ask a clarifying question. So there my is eyes, like my, my eyes, that culture of my eyes just yeah. rolled right through the dimension. I mean, that is just that's just the inability to separate actor from character is a problem across fandom, but that is epically. I mean, that's like when um, Sherlock uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's wife got death threats because they got married. Yeah, that's just or when they killed Ziva off on. Uh, NCIS the first time I don't know if she's still dead I don't know if she's dead now or not um, but when they killed her off and the showrunners a family were getting death threats yeah y'all need to take a serious step back but I do encounter sometimes I encounter readers who are who are so invested in my work that they get grossly personally offended by the things that I write if it doesn't suit their needs perfectly which of course it rarely does right nothing suits anybody perfectly 100% of the time it's just not possible because I'm writing for me not you Jesus Cinna I've gotten death threats before I got several death threats for ties that bind and etc threats I also had somebody threaten to cut my head off because I stopped writing harmony was that triggery I'm sorry my bad I didn't think about it when I said it <clears throat> These things always come up in narrow silos when things are in fan fan context. When, excuse me, I'm I was sucking on some ice, um, and it's still in my mouth, so I'm trying to talk around it. <laughs> but um, when you have like the more narrow a focus is for a group in fandom, particularly when you get down to the ship level. The, that's when you get the most toxic behaviors coming out. And we've talked about this before on other podcasts more than once. But and especially when you get down to a single ship and people want it expressed in a certain way, um, which is where you got that toxic crap around, like the Jack Daniel pairing, like da- Jack can never bottom. And they actually put it in an archive warning that Jack, if you don't have Jack bottom, you have to warn for it. Right. That that site's gone now, but yeah. Yeah, it is. 
Um, but didn't that get did wasn't that one of the sites that got migrated over to AO3? I don't know because it wasn't an. I mean, there was like there was some fic on it, but also it was just an ar- a link archive. No, no, no. Um, I thought that was. Yeah, I mean, I had links on that, but I didn't have um, actual fic on it. There was fic on it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, but it but it was both. So I'm not sure how they migrated it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, they probably had some sort of back end that could do the fic. And if they migrated it, those warnings would come over as tags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If they if they did, it never goes away. Um I, I, it's just, just some things that really just amuse the shadow of me. It's like, how do you get here? How do you decide that one man in the pairing, for some reason, is, I don't know, too masculine to be penetrated? What is that? Is that some kind of, is, is, is that toxic homophobia or, like, that was an oxymoron? Actually, I, <laughs> actually I, I think what it is, is it's really, t- it's a weird toxic misogyny. Mm. is what it is i think it's i think it's some sort of deep rooted internalized misogyny is coming out in that well i once had a homophobe tell me that um uh harry potter wouldn't take it up the ass because he wasn't weak he's too yeah he's too alpha to have and i was like you've obviously never had anything in your ass (laughs) there's nothing weak about that (laughs) that takes skill baby (laughs) and perseverance (laughs) <laughs> but things get very narrow and it's like it's not just it's not just your ship but it's how to express that ship properly hello fandom gatekeepers i'm looking at you um and which characters can interact with our ship and which characters cannot you get the most toxic behaviors coming out of people and that starts getting expressed towards the actors, towards the actors' families, towards the producers. It's just, it's just ugly, and all over fan fiction writers as well. Although I have to say, telling people to um, age down characters, move the fandom tag—that's <laughs> some fucked up shit. Because you're right, you removing the fandom tag would be against the terms of service, as far as I know. When. I am writing sex. I don't like. I don't plot the sex. It's like okay, there's going to be a sex scene here. That that's all the plot is. It's not going to be like I'm going to decide who's going to be on top, or who's going to be on bottom, or what kind of accent it's going to be. Unless you know, I'm having to insert a blowjob, which you know that happens. Um, <laughs> for a little transition, a little transitional blowjob, not transactional in most fics. Unless you're writing a horror fic, and then transactional, then and tra- I'm I'm digressing. <laughs> But she digressed. <laughs> Sakira digressed. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that I don't actually like, honestly, put a lot of thought into who's going to be on top or bottom. It's just what yeah, comes I mean, naturally. I know that. Yeah, I know there can be a cultural thing around that in some fandoms. It's like people, for some reason, want to know who's going to top or bottom, and that evolved, especially in some older fandoms that evolved that they really want to know before they read i don't personally get it but but yeah there is a big element hp where they won't read it if draco isn't on bottom in 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 dreary and i'm like are you serious but that is different than warning for because sometimes it's a feature right like the thing about tagging right ambiguous. is that a warning or is it a feature it could be either but with some of these older archives it was clear what they were doing is they were putting it in the warning list 
it's like, I'm not going to warn you about who's taking it up the ass. That's why on my site, when I talk about warnings, I say you might as well assume everybody's taking it up the ass at some point, even in my genfic. <laughs> just just go just ahead assume. and visualize it. Just, just go ahead and visualize there. it. Everybody's getting fucked in this fic. Even if it's in the background, you never get to see it. It happened. Trust me. But there is that reader. This is interesting. There is that reader, and I think also the show watcher, who doesn't recognize that events happen off screen. Oh, right. People could be like, that didn't happen on in the show. It's like, uh, so? We never see them on the toilet either, but I guarantee you they're taking a piss every once in a while. Etc. Like, for instance, if you've read the Harry Potter books, around fifth year, third year, every boy in that Every person in that, every person in that school entering puberty was rubbing one off. Okay, jerking off, whatever. They were getting it done somewhere in that every building. Day. And it, every but day. it wasn't in the books. But if you think for oh. a minute that Harry Potter wasn't jerking off daily during his teenage years, you're ridiculous. I personally started masturbating when I was twelve. Putting it out there, I never stopped because I know me. <laughs> I was a wee bit younger than that, but really, I'm not going to say, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I did regularly. I would say twelve, but I did figure out that it felt good around that age, nine, ten ish, eleven. So yeah, I mean, I was like, but when puberty hit, it became a like a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, you know. Um, I think part of the issue was puberty when I was eight. Oh, really? Yeah, that's your heart. Early. I know. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Um, if by puberty, I didn't start my period till I was eleven, but I started getting like big breasts when I was eight. I mean, like, I I, I was I was in a training bra in the fourth grade. How would I be? Fourth grade would be eight, nine, eleven, eleven. I think fourth grade is nine. Yeah, I I was an October baby, so I'd have been ten because I didn't get to start school until the next year because I was an October baby. So I would so I would have been 10. So I was in a training bra and then by the fifth grade I was in a C cup. Yeah. And then I started my period July third before seventh grade. I started my period when I was eleven. I started I was definitely B cup when I was eight. Eight. Um but by the time I was in I was definitely a double D by the time I was in because I remember that the reason I remember the double D in fifth grade was because my bra strap broke on the bus one day. Oh, no. I'm sitting there holding oh, this heart. one bra strap, <laughs> trying to keep my boobs even all the rest of the way home with my backpack, you know, and all my school stuff. I've got, like, one boob that's unsupported. Oh, bless your heart. I feel bad for you. You're a little version of you. That's awful. <laughs> because yeah, because awesome. boys were awful about boobs. They were awful awful terrible but see i was also very tall for, i mean i hit i was i hit five eight by the time i was 12 which isn't that uncommon now but you know in 85 it wasn't that common to see girls be five foot eight it took me a long time to get the next two inches um so and i had big boobs i'm five foot eight and people are like you know you seem really smart i'm surprised you had to repeat so many grades <laughs> <laughs> they thought you were older yeah yeah but people thought I was my father's wife. Wow. Yeah. Our neighbors routinely, actually all of our neighbors, thought that I was his wife. When we moved into the house he moved into when I was 11, they thought I was his wife, not his daughter. Which was gross. 
I started getting hit on young because of the tits, you know, because yeah. it's like men associate breasts with um, so sexual maturity. Um, and I would get hit on a lot. And it was really uncomfortable to have grown men hitting on me. I mean, I'm 14, 15 years old and there are men 30, 35 years old hitting on me in Walmart or the mall or wherever, you know. My mom would lose her shit on the regular. I remember once we were in Walmart and she, I was standing behind her and I had, um, you know, those little dresses that are kind of like, uh, they kind of, they're not, they're not like maxi dresses. They're not form fitting, but they were kind of like a little, a little sundress that kind of hugged the curves, but not like tight. Yeah. I know what you mean. And they're really, they were really popular in the nineties. Um, I had one on, I was 15. Um, I'm standing behind her in line. Um, yeah. A baby doll. Yeah. But, like, more form-fitting to the waist a little bit. Uh, but this dude, he says, Hey, sweetie, you want to go, ha go have lunch with me? My mama turned around like a snake. And she said, Are you asking my 15-year-old daughter out on a fucking date? How old are you? You look about 50. Never seen a white dude move so fast in my life. Mm -hmm. He would give him Joe, J Joe Montana a run for his money. <clears throat> but, yeah, it happened all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he was honestly hitting on a kid. He thought he was asking a grown woman out. I mean, I was able to get into... I, I moved to Texas when I was 12. And I was able to get into bars without ID. So, men hitting on me happened all the time. And I had... It, a lot of it was just looking at my boobs, right? Um, but clearly, the, what's implied there is my, I was going to bars when I was 12. But I was going with my mother. So... Um, and she was taking me because there were country western concerts that happened in the, these big bars in Cal in Texas. And that's where she, we were going, right? And they didn't even try to card me and give me the underage wristband that I was supposed to be wearing. They just let me in. Right. When I was 15, I looked about 20. I yeah. never got carded. Uh, I actually had to, I went to buy liquor on my 21st birthday and they didn't card me. And I was like, Ugh. this is so insulting. I didn't start getting carded. He was like, was what? I was like, it's my birthday and you didn't card. He's like, well, I need to see your ID then. <laughs> the last time I got carded, I was in my early 40s, I think. Maybe 44. No, it was after we moved up here. So I would have had to have been, been four years ago. So I've been 44. I was right, 44. And um, we ordered wine with dinner. And... Um, the guy asked me for my ID and I gave him the most evil look and I know that he didn't think I was 20 under 21 I know he didn't think that he thought that he was flattering a woman probably in her 30s that you know and it would get him a better tip or something I don't know what this tactic is supposed to engender but the look I gave him was absolutely filthy and I handed Scathing. him my, he, he looks at my he looks at my age he goes oh I'm really sorry <laughs> <laughs> I cried back and I was like, a woman who's almost 45 years old shouldn't have you producing ID to get a glass of wine. <laughs> but what's the source I go to if you buy liquor, they they scan your license now. It's like they just scan it and then, and then give it back to you. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. But as a, I don't want to I don't want to be ID'd as some sort of tactic, you know. Although I did get card ID'd once to buy a R-rated movie at a Walmart. I was like are you, like, IDing everybody? Because you better. I don't want to be singled out here. This is bullshit. I did get carded at the movie theater once in my 20s on a date. It was pretty embarrassing. 
I shouldn't have to carry ID to go to an R-rated movie. Like, but anyway. um, But yeah, you know, assumptions. Uh, Assumptions. We can't, we cannot stop. As human beings, we cannot stop making assumptions. Assumptions will save your life. And that is, um, sometimes you make a snap judgment about a dangerous situation. And that is your instinct saving your life. And you should pay attention to it. But we need to also, as part of being a reasoning thinking person, is when you're not in danger, (laughs) you need to check your assumptions and see if they mean anything. And actually, even if your assumptions are accurate, it doesn't mean you need to share them. Just because you have a thought that is accurate about something does not mean that the person you have that thought about wants to hear it. So let's say I'm at Starbucks. And um, I think this lady's clown socks are clown socks are super creepy. I think they that were super creepy though. They were super <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Anybody who's got a clown issue is not going to have appreciated her clown socks. But did she need to know that I questioned her wardrobe choice? No, not now. If she asked me, like, why are you moving away from me? Is something freaking me? I go, oh, I got a little bit of clown phobia, and she might have pulled her pant leg down. But for me, just to volunteer and go, you know, your your fashion choices are kind of disgusting excuse me that's she doesn't need to know that but in any case you know, going up to a stranger and the thing is we recognize that going up and offering unsolicited fashion advice to people you know i think you'd look better with a with blonde hair most people would think wow that's really inappropriate keep your opinions to yourself and even if my assessment of somebody's wardrobe is accurate like let's say that i think that color is unflattering on somebody even if that's could almost objectively be said to be true who cares? And most people will recognize that I have no business offering that person that unsolicited opinion. And yet, when it comes to fan fiction, <laughs> the unsolicited opinion is just fine. The This would be better if you had uh, done this instead. Or this will be really great if you go this direction. Or it would be better if you did more podcasts that don't fo- focus on, on craft spent more time doing fandom wakes or we always do a little bit of fandom wakes i don't know why people are upset about that (laughs) we kind of can't help it it's always in there it's always in there but it's not always the focus and i i'm like of the opinion that since it's my shit i can do what i want that's my general opinion about my whole life (laughs) if i'm not doing anything to hurt anybody i can do what i want (laughs) This is why I don't live in a neighborhood with HOA. <laughs> That's right. But people do feel entitled to tell you what to do, what to eat, how to live, who you, who you can sleep with, what sex act you can do, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. So it's not just like limited to fandom. It's just like it's life experience. You know, um, they want to gatekeep you. They, they want to gatekeep your entire existence. And I don't just mean like laws. You know, we need laws because otherwise it would be chaos because humans can't be trusted. But I don't need anybody telling me what kind of sex I can have in the privacy of my own room with another consenting adult. No, we really don't need that. You need to mind your own damn business. Speaking of, did you know that in a lot of states, any sex act beyond the missionary position between a man and a woman is considered sodomy? And it's punishable by, you know, jail. <laughs> it's not constitutional anymore, but yeah. <laughs> Blowjobs, anal sex, um, the doggy position. Um, 
any sex act involving two men or two women um, is legally considered sodomy in a lot of states in the South. The South blue laws are an epic clusterfuck. I mean, they're almost they're outrageous. Entertaining. They're almost entertaining to read, but um, it's also super offensive. That's why uh, is it sex toys? Yes, they have to. They have to be sold as novelties. Yeah, novelty items that are not intended to be used for sex. So you can buy a dildo, but you can't say you're going to use it. it for sex. Which means you can't get advice in a, an adult toy store about how to use a device. Or to get instructions not, on, because it's, it's like, not, because that's it, illegal. Because it's not for sex. It's it's just a novelty. Because you like having things around that look like a penis, apparently. Because <laughs> you can have things in your house that look like a penis, but you can't use them the way you would use a penis. Whatever. But that's the reason, like, in, uh, there's a, is it China or Japan that has the same thing? Um, and that's why a lot of sex toys look like animals, dolphins and rabbits and stuff. So that can be sold as novelties. While, and while the, while the, you know, sodomy laws are actually what most people consider blue laws, which means they're not really enforceable, they're still on the books, the sex toy law is not. That is still enforced. Right. Which is ridiculous. And the worst part is that the people who are making these laws, you know they have a whole sex toy closet. Of course they do. In the bondage basement. <laughs> Fucking hypocrites. They get a lot of things they don't deserve. Oh, Jesus, Jace. Don't get me started. Oh, yeah. We definitely can't go down there. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah. That happened. <clears throat> For a lot of people, sex isn't about pleasure. Sex is a power game. Even, like, having a mistress is a power game. I have never encountered pegging in a professional erotic romance work. I mean, I've I've seen it, obviously, in porn. And I've seen it in, um, like, uh, erotica posts on the internet. And, of course, I've seen it in fan fiction. But I've never seen it in an, in an erotic romance. Really? I'm not sure. I don't know why that surprised me, but it just did. I've seen it in lesbian erotica, but even then, that was erotica, not romance. And there's that's a different market. Very different. And a lot of lesbian erotica is terrible. Most awful. romance lines don't allow felching or snowballing, um, because it's that's a very niche um, fetish uh, that would damage their market. Um, rimming is hit and miss, uh, but felching and snowballing. Uh, I understand why they do that because that's the kind of thing that if a reader encountered that and they freaked the fuck out, they would start reading the publisher altogether. It just freaked the fuck out. Um, because I mean, while rimming and oral sex is, can be traditionally part of the sex lives of many felching and snowballing are <laughs> a little out there for most people. <clears throat> yeah. It's a bit much. Not for everybody, but. For those of you, I don't want to get them mixed up, but felching is eating cum out of an orifice that's been come into, and snowballing uh, is grabbing that and giving it and sharing it to back to your partner. Felching is I mean the resultant semen after anal sex. Um, snowballing is swapping cum in the mouth in some fashion. So yes, okay. I don't understand the big deal about. The snowballing, I mean, it can be done very graphically, but there's a lot of sort of subtle snowballing that kind of does make it into erotica, even when it's in romances. Because, like, basically anytime one guy blows another, or anybody blows somebody and then they kiss right afterwards, they're sort of illicit snowballing. I thought snowballing was like a like a companion to felching. 
Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. Because if so that's just be, come sharing. Come, snowballing can be done with oral sex. It doesn't have to be done with anal sex. And felching is a specific anal sex. Okay. But you so could. Yeah, I, you, you could. A comp you could combine the two, but a lot of snowballing is done with oral sex. One one person blows another, and and then there's a cum load that gets put in somebody else's mouth. But yeah, just they, tasting they, somebody tasting cum is like a subtle snowballing. Okay, yeah, I've I heard would, that in professional work. The, I've written that, and I would not me, have considered that subtle snowballing. But I, yeah, I mean that's allowed. It, it's basically to me that is basically it because it's. It's not the overt snowballing act, but basically it's come going from one person's mouth to the other, which is what snowballing is. It's just yeah. not the whole, I'm collecting all of your cum in my mouth and I'm going to transfer it to yours, which is a little graphic and a little bit beyond what some people want to deal with. Because um, it basically but I have sort of never seen, I've actually never seen felching in erotica either. Not oh, pub, have. like professionally published erotica. I have. Um, but it's I pretty hardcore it. game. Porn. Pretty hardcore gay erotica. Mm. I've seen it in porn, in the, but um, not in like uh, erotica. But there used to be these collections of short stories that would have all they, they were in the gamut of um, erotica, um, and they, they would have some like some like BDSM and some like more like just sort of more, what I would call tame erotica, um, and I would definitely encounter some some stuff that was a little definitely edgier in these collections because like it was like the, the editors were trying to collect some stuff that was more mainstream and some stuff that was kind of really a, a little edgier in their mind and it they would have some of those more out there king well definitely the subtle snowballing is allowed because you do read it in stories yeah like i mean I've, I've even read it in traditional romances <laughs> it's just <laughs> to be I mean, honest I, that's what that's the way i think of it is, is basically the author of slim subtle snowballing because unless the person is rinsing their mouth out after they blow somebody that comes in their mouth so unless there's a condom involved yeah absolutely which most people don't write condoms for oral sex they just don't so I mean, realistically, you should use a condom for all yeah. sex with your partner unless you are, you know, in a monogamous, I've been tested relationship. But uh, I don't write it often with, 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 with blowjobs. I, I don't. I don't either. I just don't want to. I also wouldn't write like a dental dam for a man going down on a woman either. I mean, and you definitely should do that if you're engaging in oral sex with somebody that you're not. Um in a relationship with you should definitely be using a dental dam but um it's just not sexy <laughs> it's just not sexy to write if you want to you know if you want to if you're looking at professionally publishing and you and you have your story together and you're getting ready to send it in and you're questioning something that you've written in one of your sex scenes it's best to reach out to an editor or a publisher at, and ask them just just ask them. That way you don't offend the fuck out of them with your felching fic. <laughs> and right? get put on a list for people they never want to read again. <laughs> Although I, I see I see I see fanfic. I see Feldiel in fanfic. I, I right. you said you don't you don't you don't encounter it that much in um any kind of mainstream work. But it does desensitize you to stuff like that. Yeah. And then it's like what do you mean you don't take Felgic? <laughs> What's wrong with that? They're like, that's not a big deal, right? And then, it, you read Inception, Vic? And the publisher's <laughs> like, you? really? You don't think that this is... It's like, no, what's the problem, dude? 
Um, okay. Now, publishers change on a whim. Like, when I was um, heavy into professional publishing, I pitched a story or a book to three different publishers, and I sent in, my agent sent in a sample. They had the first, uh, they, they wanted the first three chapters and a sex scene. And so I'd already written the whole book. So we sent them the first three chapters and the first sex scene. Um, and one of them wrote back and told my agent that it was filthy. Did your agent say thank you? <laughs> she said, you're, you're seeking erotica, right? <laughs> they didn't. I mean, it, it, and this wasn't even like, I would say this was probably a really mild sex scene compared to what I wrote in what might have been. With what might have been sex scenes being more graphic. Because that's like really one of my softer series as far as like sex goes. Um, and uh, I was like, wow. Okay. So like a year later, they solicited me and asked for a book. And I was like, I thought they said I was filthy. And she said, yeah, but apparently they, they, they like that now. <laughs> like it wasn't even like it, was like, it was like, it was like maybe 11 months later, they asked for a book. Um, because they realized what they were contacting for erotica wasn't actually erotica. They were, they, were, they were just getting into it. That's when the erotic romance thing was t taking off, you know? And they didn't understand what they were buying. Wow. It was a woman, Tim. It was a woman who told me I was filthy. And it was the same woman a year later who asked for a book. Well, I mean, you are filthy, but that's right. a good thing. Yeah. She just didn't understand that filthy was what she wanted. Well, she didn't understand that filthy is what the market wanted. Right. But, uh, but honestly, like... There are some really old school publishing companies that wouldn't touch erotica with a ten foot pole, um, and if they got like like if they got some kind of fetish erotica, they would <laughs> they would set their hair right on out. fire. <laughs> you have to submit under a pseudonym. I mean, and you might want you <clears throat> might do it just for the entertainment value, but you want to submit it under a pseudonym that you never plan to use them again. My mom was so proud of my porn when I got published. She made everybody she knew read it. I said, Mama, stop, stop handing my porn out to people. <laughs> oh, they'll like it. <laughs> okay. That's not the Christ. point. <laughs> I get calls from her, from her social. This lady in her quilting circle, she calls me and she says, I read your book. I was like, you did? <laughs> This woman's every bit of 82 and she's reading my threesome thick. And I was like, um, what'd you think? Oh, I and loved this, it, honey. And then and she just proceeded to tell me about the time she went to New Orleans and had a threesome. And this is why Kira Marie cares about her craft is because little old ladies are reading her porn. <laughs> and she doesn't want to let them down. <laughs> So I called my mom. I said, did you know so-and-so went to New Orleans and had a threesome? I said, she, she says, of course I did. She tells us every time she has a, a single bit of liquor in her. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, wait, what liquor? She says, you don't think we actually do any sewing, right? <laughs> yes, I did think you were sewing. Quit disappointing I said, I, you do sew. I've been there. I've watched you sew. And she was like, yeah, but mostly we just drink wine. <laughs> Great. Hey, stitching bitch. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So you never know who's going to read your stuff. But I also pride myself on my craft and I get a great deal of satisfaction out of producing something that's really good. So when I go into a story, my, my, my goal is to write something really good. Now, to be honest, I often feel like I don't get there for my personal goal. 
But every once in a while, I'll put out something that just like is just banging. I'm like, hell yeah! And I felt that way about the absence of war. I was so proud of the absence of war. And if you think something like that can be produced without taking your craft seriously, you're a fucking moron. And the thing is, I don't think the person who wrote you actually wants you to take your craft list. You're, no. Um, I think they just want you to talk about to it. To stop talking about it. <laughs> stop, stop helping other people take their craft seriously. Which, which is, is weird. Because don't you want to read better things? Don't you want to read really good stories? Because last night, in the middle of the night, when I was in a deep AO3 spiral, I reached that point in my reading experience where basically I kept exiting out of fix thinking, oh my god, you heifer. Click, click. Uh, <laughs> I hate it when I just, okay, sometimes, sometimes, you, you know, that will keep me up sometimes. It's like, I want to go to bed. <laughs> I want to go to bed and I want to read something really good before I sleep, right? And I keep getting, I keep reading something bad. And I'm like, I am going to keep reading until I find something good to read. The next thing I know, it's five o'clock in the morning. And I have spent six hours reading crap. <laughs> this is like, when you go back to that. That's what I go back to a thing I've already read and enjoyed. Yeah, that's what I should do. But sometimes I get in these, like you call them, it's a spiral where yeah. you wind up harming. Basically, you're harming yourself. Yeah. And you, you know, I get into spirals when I'm not like reading, when I read my own work and obsess over it. Um, especially if, I, if I'm not in the mood or I'm not in the right place to write. I wouldn't say it's writer's block because I can write. I just don't actually want to. So I'll reread a lot of my work and like tweak it. <laughs> Change a word here or there. Okay. Like, so I come in some kind of half-ass edit spiral, which is not legit, you know, because it's not really editing. But uh, I call myself working on it. So I don't feel like I'm wasting my time, you know. So it's weird. No, I get it. I've done that. I think what happens is for me is I'll read my, I'm reading on my tablet and um, I will, um, because I don't want to get up and actually document and edit it. So I will screenshot the stupid thing and make a little note on the screenshot about what the problem is. I've got hundreds of these fucking screenshots. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds. Hundreds. It's sad. It is sad. I do think that people, um, I mean, it's obvious in the statistics, some people like just prefer the fandom podcast um, or the plotting podcast or whatever, the, the, the character centric podcast. I get that. But, and I enjoy producing that content, but it isn't the only thing that I enjoy. And I get a lot more out of it creatively out of podcasts that are centric on the craft. Um, than I do their, their central on fandom because we've learned not to share ideas that are really important to us because some assholes will come along out behind us and write it before we can. Um, so we just don't it's share just those, those ideas anymore. I mean, yeah, when you have an idea that you're really in love with and someone comes, someone comes behind you and writes it plot point for plot point, it's like, really, Heifer? Good night, Star. So I try not to... <clears throat> share ideas that I'm super excited about on the podcast, which sometimes we'll do conversations in the background that you guys don't get to hear live that we'll share later after something is written like a lot, like I did for absence of war, um, which that was a quantum bang. So obviously I wouldn't have shared that in public to begin with, but um, 
it can just get it can get really frustrating to have an idea snipe from you. Um and so we don't do that anymore. Um now I've talked about that I will write the idea if I want to write the idea anyway, even if I found out somebody else has written it, I will go ahead. Um Yeah, because it's yours. It, it, yeah, write it's, that I mean, shit. It, but sometimes it is a, a demotivating factor um, that I have to take into account that sometimes affects me more than I would like. Yeah, it, it, it can be very rude. And the thing is, I, I enjoy sometimes we're just in the mood to plot. And I enjoy the plot podcasts. I really do. Um, but and sometimes I get an idea that I really like in a plot podcast. And sometimes I'm always a little disenchanted when I get, I are disappointed when I get an idea I really like in a plot podcast. Because I'm like, people heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just trying to get myself to get over it because that's not the kind of mentality I want to have. It's like, if somebody's inspired, and I've talked about, if somebody's inspired, Go off and write your version of that. The, the issue then becomes if somebody writes exactly what we talked about, beat for beat. Um, That's just rude. And, yeah. You've taken my actual plot and written it. Dudes. Yeah, of course they are. It's a, you know, it's an ethical concern, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, take, if, if an idea that, that we talk about inspires you, I would love to see your own twist on it. Not mine. Two cakes are fine. Two cakes are great. The same cake twice is a little boring. It's the difference between showing up in an event with a cake that looks like nobody else's cake. It's another for you to go over to somebody's house, take pictures of their cake, steal their recipe book, and then go home and make that exact cake and bring it to the party. I think that that cake went too far. <laughs> you took it somewhere. Moral of the story is still breaking into people's houses and steal their recipe books. <laughs> or their plot. I want cake too. <laughs> now we all want fucking cake. <laughs> Nick, that's just rude. I don't have any cake. I can make one. Do I want to make one? No, I do not. No. Who wants to make cake at 1230 in the morning? Anna. Anna wants to make cake. <laughs> she wants to make muffins, yeah. Muffins. <laughs> muffins. I mean, it's close enough, right? Muffins. I do have the ingredients to make a mocha chocolate cake. Devil foods. Mocha devil food cake. It's just ugly bragging. I have not made it. I just have the ingredients to make it. Yeah, but you're bragging about the potential. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, if you... I think that if you get something out of the podcast, I'm really happy. But if these podcasts about writing are not your cup of tea, just don't listen to them. And I know why you are listening to them, person who sent me an email. It's because you have a fear of missing out. That's actually really sad. So you're listening to these podcasts about topic that you don't care about because you might hear something interesting, but then you're frustrated with the content and you don't like it. So do yourself a favor and don't listen to them, but don't expect us to change the way we do things to make you happy as an individual, because that is rude and entitled. Some days I can barely be motivated to change things to make myself happy. So fuck everybody else. Right? Like, for instance, earlier today, I thought, I'll boil some eggs. So I'll have an egg for my salad later. Did I boil the eggs? No, I did not. No. DoorDash the cake, Jace. <laughs> Get the cake. <laughs> what? If I could DoorDash cake right now, I'd be DoorDashing some cake right now. <laughs> right? <clears throat> I mean, I would. I would totally DoorDash cake right now if I could. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything up in my area that would actually have cake. 
Here, get some cookies from Wendy's, I guess. Which is not the, quite the same thing. No, not at all. At all. And even if I made my own cake, it wouldn't be cooled off enough to even ice for hours. Not hours, I guess, to get in the fridge. That's a lot of work, though. You're making me tired just listening. Who wants to make a right? cake at 12.30 in the morning? If you can't order it, you ain't having it. Don't <laughs> judge me. Let's be telling you what to eat. Gross, Hale. Gross. Like, of all the Oreos in the whole world, that's the one you have? Ugh. 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 But strawberry banana Oreos? No, mint. Oh, toothpaste Oreos. <sighs> Why? Why oh. am I baking a cake when I should be writing? Right? What was I thinking? What were you? I would love an ice cream sandwich. Oh, my God. I would love an ice cream sandwich. It wouldn't love me, but I would love it. I don't know what to say with that, Tim. Oh, you meant make an Excel doc. I thought you said bake one. I was like, why the hell is she baking? Are you, did I just misunderstand you? I didn't do it on purpose if I did. No, I don't think I did. Okay. Why is she baking an Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> why are you making an Excel doc? <laughs> Why are you making? Okay, you guys are going off the rails. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just take care of yourself. And if our topics are frustrating the fuck out of you, don't um, don't listen. And if you don't like what you're reading, stop reading. That's just that's just like a good rule of thumb for fandom. I mean, it, if you don't it like it, like... don't listen. If you don't like it, don't read it. Yeah, I mean, it, that's because of the toxic comment culture on, um, that's why that don't like, don't read. Like, I've had people actually ask, what does don't like, don't read mean? Doesn't that seem obvious? You would think, but people actually had to put that. That's why there's there's such a limited amount of space, a limited number of characters for you to create a summary for fanfiction.net. And people were were wasting space to say, slash, don't like, don't read. Right? It's because... You'd think that this was obvious, but it apparently wasn't. Oh, my other 911 um, email about posting on AO3 um, suggested that I post everything with the fix where Eddie is on bottom because that's not popular. Is that true? Um, no, actually, I would say that fix that Eddie's on Eddie bottoms are very popular. I just don't think that many of them. I don't know that I could say particularly why. Um, <laughs> Ellie, <laughs> I was like, I was kind of, I was like, hmm. because while you know, it is an inclination for a lot of slash readers to write the smaller of the two men at the bottom, and he is like two inches shorter and m much less muscular, so I would have assumed he would be the natural bottom for a lot of fan fiction readers who are ob obsessed with that kind of size issue. Yeah, I think people, um, I do think for, I think for people who kind of view them as equals, that there's, that it's almost 50-50. Like, there's not really a lot of power. I mean, I don't care who's getting the dick as long as someone gets the dick. Someone gets the dick. Um, there is that element, too. But I do think for the people who've kind of wobified Buck, there's the inclination. Ah. Uh, um, because he cries. That, that, that means he's the girl. There is a fair bit of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, they mean the one taking the dick. I mean, when it comes to like the word bottom in fiction, it usually either means the submissive partner or the person taking the dick. More often than not, when it comes to this kind of discussion, it's about who's who's being penetrated. Because unless it's a specifically a BDSM fic. So, 
And for those in the back, topping from the bottom has nothing to do with the sexual position. No, that that topping from the bottom is a BDSM power dynamic issue. <laughs> that is when the person who's supposed to be bottom is usually manipulating a situation to get what they want. And I often see people apply the. Um, it, it can it, it it's not always that way, but usually in like an actual BDSM like protocol context, it's someone who's manipulating the dom. Um, to get the scene they want, which means that they're controlling the scene, which is topping from the bottom. But it could yeah. also mean the dom is like being penetrated and they're instructing their submissive what to do. Oh, I, 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 I really see that. Well, I write it, but I, I really see anybody else doing it. I've written it. Um, although I don't know if I've written it in this fandom iteration. It used to be one of my favorite things to write because I didn't like the idea of doms who don't like penetration. I thought that was silly. But um, it's weird. Certainly, certainly, when I am penetrated, I am still in charge. Overshare, I, perhaps. I totally but, get that about you. <laughs> perhaps an overshare, but that's my own personal experience. So I tend to bring that to the table. <clears throat> like, bitch, I'm always in charge. <laughs> I'm always the boss. So, but often in a BDSM, so there's two different ways that that can be used. Is um, in a BDSM protocol thing it, when it's used in a kind of negative way um it's used to refer to a submissive who's manipulating the dom into getting their own way which means they're passive aggressively controlling the scene that is different but sometimes it, you'll see it in fandom tag that way to refer to a sexual position which is which is confusing and wrong no. but i don't expect fandom yeah. to get anything about bds i read a a um a story that had sounding in it recently and it was so wrong it was so wrong that I just, I just was, I just had to laugh at it. Cause I'm like, that's not the way that works. It's not the way that works. My urethra just clenched up. <laughs> I just, no. just had a visceral reaction to whatever you read that I did not read, but I don't need to read. You don't <laughs> want to read. I mean, all I needed. <laughs> I was like, no, baby, no. That's I've that's seen sounding done, but I'm not confident in my ability to write it, so I never would. Um, just. Don't get that. Don't get it. I mean, I, I get it. Not everybody's, I mean, not everybody has experience with sounding, so not everybody's going to, but I mean, this is one of those things. It's just, it was so badly done. And it was just so off that it's like, do people think that that's actually the way that works? So. Well, Nick, some people specifically want to read fix where somebody is getting it. You know, there are some readers, especially like in the Jerry fandom, who really, really enjoy reading fix where Draco is the bottom. It's their jam. It, it become in that it's case what, it's what they the look for. So, like, if if assuming right. bottom Eddie is rare, tagging for at bottom Eddie could be something somebody's really looking for, um, because they really want to read. They're tired of maybe they're tired of reading fix for Buck is solely on the bottom or whatever. Um, I mean, I honestly am getting to the point where I see so much of Buck on the bottom that I I'm I'm, I'm coming to really enjoy Eddie being on bottom, um, because. I, f I feel like you're missing out on opportunity because Buck obviously knows how to fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's bringing it to the table. Let the man work. <laughs> I usually make the decision when I get to the scene, but um, I don't usually no, make the decision. About the only time I make content? 
Yeah, the only time I made the decision in advance about who was going to be bottoming in a, in the story was when I wrote the So Far series. But I was writing Eddie as sort of a hold him down, fuck him kind of. And I did, mm. I had originally planned one where he was going to be doing that. Um, I they, they talked about it where Eddie was going to ride Buck. But I didn't actually write the scene, but they talked about the fact that it was going to happen. And so it did happen off screen. Um it's, so there is sort of some dirty talk around that scene, but I didn't wind up writing in the story because I didn't feel like I needed another. Um, but other, I, mean, I didn't like plot the sex scenes, but I did have a general vibe that at least, you know, nine times out of 10, it, whatever sex scenes I wrote, I knew Buck was going to be on the bottom because I had decided the sexual dynamic them ahead of time. Right. That was more, that's that's, more of a, case that's of a tiny... characterization choice, which is really great. So, but other other stories where I don't just make that decision, I just kind of wait to see how the sex scene feels. Um, yeah. I read a story once a while ago, and I can't, I can't remember much more else about this, but it was a sort of a, a averting the fight fighting thing. And instead of fighting, going to the fight the fight club thing, that basically Eddie was like climbing on Buck's dick all the time. Um, it was like, <coughs> and there was like there was like a subtle- I'm not opposed to this. <laughs> There was like a subtle BDSM element to it too, where like Buck would only let him do it if Eddie would explicitly ask for what he wanted. That's what I remember about it. Um, Buck was very assertive, like, yeah, you can have it, but you have to ask for it. It was like, kind of like, okay. Um, and it, 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 the whole, the whole thing was about him finding release through sex rather than after getting fucked, rather than the Fight Club. That just takes um, a whole new meaning to fuck or fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't remember. I said this was a while ago. But... Yeah, Charlie's like, if if, if there could be a link, <laughs> I would like a link, like a link, please. I mean, we have some thick ninjas um, who are who are here. Um, I could I could go through my. I mean, going through my 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 history is not going to help. But um, no, because... I wish the AO three history was sortable. Right, just just by fandom would help. I wonder if it's tagged anything. I, that's a. I don't even know why you asked that question, and you're on AO three. Right? No, they don't use episode tags in 911. <laughs> I think I've seen like one episode tag. Oh, I've seen a lot. That's not true. I've seen a lot of episode tags around the shooting. So. There, well, there are a lot of um, codas. So, um, but I often skip the tags because I, I find them very frustrating. Anyways, um, do you anything you want to add to the podcast? We can keep chatting, so. but we get in the podcast and I need a, a tea break. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And like I said, if we approach a topic that you don't think you can handle or you don't like, please don't listen. It'll be fine. You're not going to miss much of anything. Unless we're we'll talking about fire extinguishers again. And then you don't honestly want to be a part of that conversation. You just think you do. Anyways, say goodnight, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>